Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Performer on Record, the official podcast for Performer Magazine. I'm your host, Ben, and uh, I'm the editor of Performer Magazine. And if you uh, haven't had a chance to listen to the previous episodes, head back into your podcast uh, service of choice, Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, uh, all the various podcatchers, and uh, give those a listen too, because we've got some great interviews with some artists that you should definitely know about. Um, up for interview today is the wonderful uh, Nashville artist, Katie Pruitt. Now, you may have seen Katie on some of our channels recently. Uh, we worked with her as our Elixir Strings Artist of the Month not too long ago. So there's a couple of video clips on our YouTube channel of her uh, performing um, with those strings, which is really awesome. She did some great work for us there. And, uh, you know, the biggest bit of news that you probably saw on our channels and our website is uh, Katie was actually featured on the cover uh, with this exact interview, actually. So now you get to hear it uh, if you're one of those people who doesn't uh, like to read, I guess. Um, but Katie is an awesome artist. Um, a lot of cool uh, things that you'll find out about her, including her relationship with uh, some other artists that we've featured recently, which is kind of uh, just serendipitous. Uh, we didn't we didn't plan that, but you know the whole indie world is strangely interconnected at, at certain points. So it was fun learning about some of the uh, band members and, and people who have kind of come in and out of her musical life, who've also crossed our paths recently. Um, but Katie's awesome, so give the interview a listen, check it out in print, there's some great photos, and uh, head on over to our YouTube channel where you can see some of those clips of her actually performing uh, some intimate uh, songs live uh, on camera with uh, some fresh sets of Elixir strings. Um, we have been up to uh, our same old tricks these past uh, few weeks since the last episode dropped. Um, just put out uh, a new issue with uh, Tao Nguyen uh, on the cover. She's got an awesome new project out now, so read about that at performermag.com and in print. You can also find interviews in the new issue with Bartiz Strange. Uh, Gary Newman is in there. He's got an awesome new album out, so if you haven't heard that, give that a listen as well. And uh, check out the website daily for new artist interviews, video premieres, business advice, uh, all sorts of news on the music industry and such. And be sure to head to our YouTube channel again for product demos, uh, testimonials, reviews, all sorts of fun stuff headed there uh, on YouTube. Uh, so without further ado, let's take a word from our sponsor and we'll jump into that interview. Before we jump into that interview, I do want to thank our premier sponsor, Elixir Strings, for sponsoring this podcast and each and every episode of Performer on Record. Uh, Elixir is uh, the only string that we use here at Performer because their protective coating keeps our guitar and bass strings full of life better than any other brand we'd have ever tried. And when we're reviewing stomp boxes and guitars and amps and recording gear for each uh, of our issues, we don't want anything distracting us from that job, uh, especially the hassle and expense of constantly changing out our gross, corroded strings. And believe me, I don't know what's going on with the pH in my fingers, but uh, normal, uncoated strings just don't last here in the office. Uh, and we don't want anything getting in the way of you making your music either. So say goodbye to the gross corrosion and dirt and sweat and oil buildup and use Elixir strings. Trust us, their proprietary featherweight coating acts as a really great barrier against tone-killing buildup on your guitar strings, allowing you to get lost in your music. So 
what I'd love to do is for our audience who maybe isn't super familiar with your music, um, kind of take it back and, and get a sense of who you are as an artist, where you came from, and then maybe get a sense of what you're up to now and kind of what the future holds for you. Does that sound good? Yes. Yeah. Excellent. So, um, yeah, if you want to start at the beginning, kind of let us know. I know originally you're from the Atlanta area. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in the Atlanta suburbs and, you know, um, sort of obviously started playing guitar as, as a hobby, you know, something to sort of um, get me through high school <laughs> and like, you know, ended up just learning a bunch of covers with, with my best friend and we'd skip class and we'd just play guitar all day. And um, that was kind of the start of my love for guitar. And then went to Athens, Georgia and played open mics there and then kind of took it to the next level and, and moved to Nashville um, midway through college. And, um, and yeah, yeah, I was, um, you know, I, I just kind of started writing songs about, about my life and they became kind of this, this way for me to express myself. And that's, that's kind of where it all started. So what first got you into guitar? Did you have like musical family members or was it just something that you were interested in on, on your own? Yeah. Um, I mean, my mom played guitar in, in church, which was like kind of boring. Uh, but I, I got into guitar. I mean, I always sort of was around guitar for that reason. You know, she would play guitar and she bought me a guitar and taught me sort of the basic chords. Um, and then I think, I think it was like, I, I started getting like guitar lessons, uh, probably in like middle school, but I, I think I had like one or two lessons. And it was, he taught me like bar chords and like Green Day songs. Because uh, <laughs> I was like a big, you know, skater back then. Yeah. Uh, that was like my vibe. And then, and, uh, then I started sort of, sort of like, I'd say like starting in high school, I started like sort of like getting more interested in guitar players. Like, um, at the time, Dave Matthews was really big, and he uses like you know crazy chords. So I sort of started becoming interested in more difficult songs and like trying to challenge myself to learn those. John Mayer was one that I was really just like you learn any John Mayer song and you've just learned like thirty six new chords. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like um, that was um, that was kind of informative for me as like a young player. Yeah, and like you know Jimi Hendrix and. Uh, yeah, I I, uh, I was just fascinated by, like, electric guitar. Were and you, then I kind of picked, picked that up in college. Were you mostly self-taught, or was somebody kind of showing you this stuff along the way? I was self-taught. I, I um, you know, I, I just looked up tabs. I figured out how to read tabs, and I... And I went from there, you know, I mean, I think like it's nice to grow up in a in a uh, time where you can literally just look up any song you want to know. Absolutely. You, you can learn it. You know, it's it's great. Um, and that's still how I learn. You know, I'm still learning songs all the time because I think that just makes you a better player by knowing other people's songs, you know. So was there a point where you were learning to play and then it clicked that you wanted to kind of move on to your own songwriting um, and do kind of your own thing as opposed to learning other people's songs and maybe you can walk us through how that got started yeah i mean i mean again it was it was in high school and and um it you know i was covering a bunch of people's songs i just i just decided like man how hard could this be to like write my own song so i just you know 
I started writing my own songs. I would show them to, you know, my friend, my friend Teddy in particular, who I would play guitar with. And he was just like, who's that by? And I'm like, oh, no, I wrote that. And he's like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> like you know, that's and, and I thought, you know, and I, I really still think like really anybody could write a song. But I think I just had a like really huge interest in it. Um, I think, you know, from from the minute I sort of started studying how songs are put together and like song structures and like how there's a million different ways to do that. Hello. So this is Ben again, cutting in to the interview. Uh, it was at this point that the wonders of working from home uh, reared their ugly heads. Uh, I have two wonderful little girls who I adore greatly, uh, who decided it would be a great time to pop into my office while I was doing an interview on the phone with Katie and uh, start banging pots and pans around. So we had a little audio difficulty here. I cut out, apologize profusely to Katie for the uh unprofessionalism that is not normally uh my style but again uh this year has been uh what it is so there you go so we're gonna rejoin the interview here in just a second with katie uh hopefully you won't hear any more distracting background noises and uh we'll promise to try to isolate ourselves a little bit better in the future for audio recordings but uh working with what we've got folks uh things are opening back up so hopefully you know, a minor bump along the road. But anyway, enough of me yapping. Back to the interview with Katie Pruitt. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm chilling. We are back with Katie Pruitt. The recording software is functioning properly. And I apologize for the second or third time to her for having her answer the same question again. <laughs> But what we were talking about um, was kind of the country influence that seeped into her music and her songwriting, in addition to some of the more rock-oriented stuff, like the John Mayers and the Dave Matthews of the world. Yes. Um, I would say that when I moved to Athens, Georgia for um, for college, it was sort of around the time, you know, um, that, like, Avery Brothers were getting big. And then, yeah. Um, I, I started sort of sort of thinking about songs not only as like oh i have to play all these complicated chords but there's also the approach of like four chords and the truth of you know really honed in on lyricism um and yeah i mean look not just the Aver brothers i mean looking back at like you know people like willie nelson and uh bands like uh the weight or bands like the band yeah um i remember like covering the weight and um yeah there's just like you know there's so much um in the ways of just like the four chords and the truth um, approach to writing. Uh, I'm trying to think of other examples that I was into at the time. Um, Wilco. Love Wilco. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely amazing lyricist. That's not necessarily folk. I feel like he combines. No, but there's rock, a, which is there's really a lot cool. of Americana that kind of seeps into there. Um, right. So he draws that, he draws that in. So I can definitely see that. And I, I don't think there's maybe a direct, you know, correlation between your music, like I can pick out a Wilco uh, phrase or something when I listen to a Katie Pruitt song, but there's definitely that kind of feel of bringing it into a more maybe pop realm, if that makes sense. Yeah, pop or rock, yeah, like for sure. But like, you know, the base of the songs is is the lyrics and the what, you know, I feel like Tweety does an amazing job at like bringing you into what he's saying. And that's something I've always like really strived to kind of do. Um, 
So you're in Atlanta, you move to Athens, you're doing the open mic thing. You head to Nashville, which obviously everybody knows music capital of the world. Now, eventually, somewhere along the way, you get signed to Rounder Records. Uh, that's a pretty right. huge leap. So how do we get there? Oh, God. Yeah, that's, a, that's a, probably like three years in the making. I don't know. I um, I was I was like well out of college sort of when I got signed to Rounder. So like the two years in college I sort of spent, you know, uh, I went to Belmont, yep. uh, transferred there, didn't know many people, but I had a couple friends. <laughs> so, you know, I'm like, I start playing in like a band where I'm like the, sort of the front woman of, and we start playing like college parties and that was kind of fun. And I don't know, I, I, uh, I thought that was the route. I was like, I want to be, you know, like Alabama shakes, you know, like yeah. front woman, uh, rock out. And, and then, um, uh, I started getting gigs at the basement, which is this, um, you know, list like it's like a small listening room um, underneath a record store. Well, the record store is they moved the record store, but that's how it used to be. Yeah. And um, yeah, they would do they would have these like songwriter nights, and and I got some. My manager kind of, you know, put my name in the hat, and I I ended up doing that, and that was like this super like informative moment of my life of like wow like i'm singing on stage by myself like and people are like quiet and this like feels like i don't know it, it was it was really cool um just to to do that and and to do that like almost every week and that's kind of where i started like really honing in on like the songwriting and not like you know and then after i write the songs then bringing the band on and being like okay let's like work up this section to be bigger or you know whatever but kind of making the songwriting like the main um like the nucleus yeah. of the music you know yeah um so yeah I, i'd say i started doing that and just like started um trying to break out in the nashville scene not necessarily the belmont scene but kind of go beyond that and play shows with other bands in the in the city and and stuff like that and yeah i mean i i think rounder just came to a show that i was playing with my friend sam lewis at um i can't remember a third and lindsley this venue um like near downtown mm -hmm. and yeah that they were just like yeah we're, we're gonna sign you and so it just kind of just happened like that you know so i just was I, was rounder even on your on. radar at that time or were you even looking for a deal or it just kind of happened i mean i was i was looking for a deal i was you know trying to figure out i had you know, dabbled in the studio and talked to producers and, and I had a manager at this point, which was key. So I met, I met this guy named Clay Bradley, who's, um, did work at BMI and then left. And then he was just like, man, I'm, I'm sick of the corporate life. Like I want to be close to the music. And he kind of, he kind of like, you know, helped introduce me to a lot of people in town, but you know, they, they, I think they just came to the show, you know? So it's like, I started sort of focusing on more on like live performance and songwriting. And that's where my head was at. I was like, I want to play live. Like, um, and I did want to make a record, but I wanted to get out in front of like audiences and yeah. play live either with a band or solo, or I wanted to tour. Um, and that was starting to happen as well because I just, I had signed with a uh, with my booking agent, so I was starting to sort of get like small opening um, act gigs and yeah. yeah you know so it was like starting to kind of just like happen but I felt like the reason for that was just like I was focusing 
on, you know, I wasn't focusing. That that wasn't like my game. I wasn't like, oh, I got to go out and like meet all these people and like schmooze all these people. Like I was like, I want to focus on making the songs and like my performance as good as they can be and like have fun doing it. And like, I think, yeah, that other stuff was sort of like a result of like my focus being where it needed to be. You know, it almost sounds like, I mean, it sounds like it, built in the way that artists used to build their careers, which was they would learn their craft, they would write the songs, they would go do the clubs, they would get label interest, they would get an, a booking age. Like, that sort of thing used to be the norm. Uh, and right, I think we sort it's of... Like, get on TikTok. It's like, go go viral, have my two weeks of fame, and then disappear. So it's, it's a different yeah. industry mindset than it used to be. So it's kind of refreshing when artists are like, yeah, I want to write great songs, and then I want to go perform them on stages and then all right. of these things will happen when you know the cream rises to the top <laughs> i mean and that's exactly what what happened like you have to like put in the work or i had to you know and even you know a manager who was connected to all these people um he was like man i i can uh you know i can open the doors but you have to walk through them yeah. like I, you know i can't write the songs i can't do it like, that's all on you and i'm like yeah i, I know and I, I want it to be like i don't want like you know I want it to be my voice and my sound, yeah. and, my, you know, and that's hard work, um, and it still is. And but that's why it's exciting, and you know, because it is such it is a challenge. Um, so it's a fun challenge, you know. <laughs> so so we laid the groundwork. We're 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 on the track. We get signed to Rounder. Now let's talk about the record because Expectations is actually coming up on its one year anniversary um, in the next month yeah. or so, right? Yeah, so wild. It's so weird to like to think about that because I didn't get to tour it or anything. Well, it's just like, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about two things. Number one, I want to talk about the making of the record uh, and that process, and then I want to talk about the aftermath of the record. So, right. can we can we maybe go back and kind of get into your creative headspace on? A, you know, how the songs were, were written and then how you transferred kind of the the songwriting process into studio recordings, because I always find that fascinating. Yeah, that was a learning curve because, like I said, sort of, you know, my focus was on, like, live, playing live. Yeah. So a lot of these interpretations are, you know, I, I, played, in, I played the songs in, like, probably a million different ways before I went into the studio, like... You know, I played with a trio, I played by myself, I played with a five-piece, I played with strings. So I had, like, kind of experimented with all these different ways to present these songs. And, um, yeah, I mean, I also had to kind of learn how to sing differently as well, because singing live is different than singing on a record. You kind of have to, like, choose your moments, you know, you can't just, like, be belting all I, the time. But, I hear you, absolutely. But, but when you're opening for, like, a packed room and you're the opening act, I'm like, I'm screaming these notes because these people, I want to get these people to shut up, <laughs> you know, so it's um, a different, it's way different. But, um, yeah, you know, the songs are sort of just, like, I wrote, I probably wrote the record over a course of, like, four-year period. And, um, yeah, I mean, the songs were kind of, like, about my not only my like coming of age kind of um, you know experience but but my coming out experience like as a gay female in the south um, raised in sort of a conservative family so it was like kind of like a self-acceptance like type of you know moment for me in my life and it was like kind of shedding this weight of like past 
social constructs and, and stuff that I had learned and trying to unlearn those things. So it was a lot, you know, it was like, you know, I feel like not only, you know, two 20, 22, 23 year olds have to like figure out, okay, I'm an adult now, but I had to like do that and also kind of um, accept myself <laughs> in this world that I was taught wasn't going to accept me. So it was like, um, that that's what the record's about. And that's kind of what I was going through and what I wrote it about. So that's the songwriting and then the actual like going into the studio um i picked a so i picked a producer that um you know it was kind of an unconventional choice because he was just like one of my best friends from um from belmont my belmont days and he was like he was in that band that i talked about where we would you know play parties yeah. and stuff he was a guitar player and then you know fast forward three years later he's got like mad producer chops out of nowhere and like i went and did just a random demo with him for like a school project and i heard my voice back on it and i was just like god damn like how did you you know i've been looking i've been looking for that sound and i've you know experimented with with all these producers with all types of accolades and they haven't been able to do that so I think it was like this connection of like you know me, you know That's what I'm going half on. the battle. You've heard me, right? You've heard me sort of grow like throughout these years, and like well, yeah, like it's like so he's going to hear it different than me trying to explain it to someone I've never met. Absolutely. You know? So I'm like yeah. you know what? Um, and my girlfriend was a big um, play in this, but she was like, "You you need to pick Mike. <laughs> like he's <laughs> the obvious choice. Like you know." And so I was like, "I'm listening to you." And um, yeah, I convinced Rounder Records to hire this guy out of, right out of college to do my record when <laughs> he never made a record before. So that was exciting. Um, you know, and I got to use my own band. And a lot of producers in Nashville kind of tell you, like, oh, no, we're going to use, you know, my band that I'm used to recording with. But they didn't make me do that. Mike was like, we're definitely using your band. <laughs> that's that's how, you know, that's where you're the most comfortable and that's where we're going to get the best thing. Um, so that was a big part in it. And, um, yeah, it probably took, I want to say, like, it probably took, like, because I was on tour sort of intermittently throughout yeah. these six months, but it probably took, like, six months total. But if you, like, squish that down, it probably took, like, a month or two. But you so know what? Like, it probably would have taken a lot longer if you had a producer who didn't understand you and you had a band that was completely new to you in the material. So Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like, this band had helped me develop the arrangements of these songs over the past, like, four years. And, you know, some of the songs were newer, but, like still they like we had built up this like right this chemistry and this relationship musical relationship with each other where i didn't have to sit there and like explain for an hour no i want the drums to sound like this they're just they would play they know part of what i was already thinking and yeah. i was like great this is awesome um and then on top of that you know rounder records has this amazing um amazing a- assets his name is gary Pichosa, and he like you know produced Alison Krauss and he sort of was like the silent kind of miking everybody up and like <laughs> he sort of stood back and just let it all happen but he put in so much work um on the back end so you know it was it was awesome it was really awesome and it was just exciting it was it was exciting to be like in the studio with my friends and hear it come together and hear them get excited and you know it was like it was cool. Well, I think it speaks a lot too to to Rounders' uh, sort of experience and intelligence, where they picked you up because they knew what 
you were. They didn't want to turn you into something else. They were like, yes, we're going to let you choose the producer that's going to be a comfortable fit for you. We're going to let you work with the band that you have this intimate relationship with. We're not going to come in and pick you up because we liked you and then turn you into something that wasn't what we signed up for. Right. And and I think that is like that was before I signed to a label probably the most terrifying part to me. Absolutely. To yeah. I was like like are they gonna come in and like want me to want me to be someone different just because they like like one song and see some potential? Exactly. Like, that's not it happens all fair, the time. You know? It's it, like you either take and I kinda like, you know, I didn't come in there like, you know, with all these terms, but I like made sure all that stuff was like so really so like you just you want me to go into the band with my band or the studio with my band you're cool with this producer okay great let's do it like you guys clearly are letting me take the reins on this and that was like a cool i never really had the responsibility to like step into that role before you know yeah so that was like a nice um yeah that was a nice uh nice challenge that they kind of like presented me with speaking of challenges um uh, obviously, we we got to talk about it. The record comes out kind of late February of last year, which is right around the time the world kind of turned to hell. Um, right. I'm assuming you probably had touring plans a- around this. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, had a, I had a bunch of plans for last year. I tried to even think about it, but um, but yeah, um, yeah, that was tough. That was really tough. Um, and then you know, I think for I think you know, this probably goes for everybody that had plans last year, which. You know, that's probably everybody had plans last year that got canceled. And um, I don't know, this year has, or 2020 has sort of helped me put into perspective, like, what kind of always has mattered. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, close friends and, like, actually, like, the process of, you know, I, I don't know, I, I'm sort of, in a sense, I'm, I'm not glad that it happened, but I am glad that I didn't get, like, kind of swept up in it all and, you know... I don't know, start putting emphasis and meaning on like maybe the wrong things like, yeah. Oh, like nominations for awards and like all this stuff. It's like, no, like, um, it is about like the people that it reaches and what the music means to them. And, you know, on the other side, it's, yeah, it's like, um, my relationship with my band and my friends. And I don't know, that's sort of deepened, I think this year now, like once everything kind of got ripped away is, um, yeah, I just I feel closer to the people in my life. And, well, that's good. And, yeah. So. So yeah, I feel like once you go through something traumatic, that's kind of like what happens, you know. That kind of brings us up to date, almost. Um, the record's been out; it's been doing amazingly well. Um, the songs are fantastic. We enjoyed working with you a lot on um, the Elixir Strings videos that we've been doing. Um, those are doing great on, on YouTube. So at this point, what does kind of the near near future look like um are you doing more recording more writing i know performing is sort of up in the air is it do you have things yeah for- it's a little up in the air i mean there's stuff scheduled for you know the summer and stuff yeah. like maybe spring summer but i'm not getting my hopes up <laughs> i'm just kind of like you know crossing my fingers that it might happen yeah we've all been disappointed we've all been let down so many times at this point it's like man it comes back when it comes back you know? yeah it's kind of like what i'm where i'm at but yeah i mean i'm writing for sure um i'm sort of like my one of my really good friends jordan who kind of is a producer who lives down the street he's like man i'm i'm bored i'm not working on much right now i'm just you know come come hang and 
play and bring your band i'm like great so it's been awesome i've sort of just been like trying out new songs with the band in the studio cool. it's been amazing yeah so i'm so i'm doing that and um yeah i mean not really not much besides that um maybe some more live performance videos some maybe some like live streams and stuff but hey we'd love to talk to you about that (laughs) yeah i'm I'm just writing and and trying to reflect and trying to you know do do the the necessary work for the next record you know Cool. Well, Katie, I appreciate it so much for you hopping on with us here. Um, this was great. I hope our audience gets a chance to to give you a good listen. Um, the new record is fantastic. We're looking forward to what you've got coming up, and hopefully we'll get to talk to you again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Ben. I appreciate you talking to me as well. All right. Um, thanks again. And uh, for more information, where can people find you online? katieprewitt.com or any of the social media apps <laughs> just under <laughs> Katie <Pruitt> music <laughs> we'll be sure to post those links um, and thanks again great right. thank you bye bye so that was our conversation uh, interrupted as it were uh, with the great Katie Pruitt. Uh, so definitely check out those videos that I've probably mentioned three or four times now. Head to all the socials uh, and all the things, you know, wherever you may find Katie. There you go. Give her a listen. Uh, Rounder did a really smart thing by picking her up. Uh, anyway, um, that'll do it for this issue. We get a lot of great feedback from the last uh episode oh did i say issue i'm stuck in print mode sorry that's the life of an editor anyway uh we got a lot of great feedback on the last episode um lots of folks saying they're getting into mini disc too i went on a long ramble about my renewed love affair with mini disc which is kind of my maybe all-time favorite format i don't know it switches back and forth all the time but anyway i found a new uh renewed love for for the little shiny plastic discs um over the past 12 months or so while while things were kind of locked down but uh my latest obsession is uh getting back into the swing of things with uh manual typewriters and my new ultra mega obsession is finding a working ibm selectric 2 uh preferably in a red case but uh that's been proving to be a little difficult uh so if anyone's got a lead on one that actually works or doesn't need a ton of service drop me an email um anyway that'll do it for now we'll catch up with you next time uh visit performermag.com for more info and thanks for listening